Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we get started with the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsor, Anchor. We're new to podcasting here at Salty Saints, and Anchor has made it so easy for us to get started. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain a little bit about it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. The best part about Anchor, though, is that it's absolutely free. So if you, like us, want to get your word out there, you want to try your hand at podcasting, make sure that you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach, and I'm sitting here with Randy Spate yet again. What's up, Randy? I'm doing well, Zach. Right on. We are going to be talking today uh, about something we talked about a few podcasts ago, um, which is what it means to be a Christian. But we decided there's another aspect to that that we didn't touch on. There really is. I uh, I heard some things since then, and uh, at first it kind of surprised me, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, boy, they got that right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things that when you hear it, you may not like it, or you may even uh, be disappointed at the thought of it. But kind of like Randy says, you know, the more you chew on it, the more you realize, no, this is important. Like this is, and it's real. I mean, it's it's very real. Um, so, um, being a Christian, last time we said it's about faith in Christ. Right. It's a it's about a relationship, and none of that changes. This does not change that in any way. No, actually, it ties into it. Um, it does. Is you want to just get right into it? This new yeah. this new piece of it, uh, struggle. That the, there is a struggle in being a Christian. This one of the main things that it means to be a Christian is that we, as a body, as a community, and as individuals, it's hard. We struggle, and it's not. It can't really just be boiled down to one thing either. Life's complex. Life has. Tons of struggles. It's not. It, it's not just like one set of things that we all deal with. It's kind of tailor fitted to each of us. We've all got our own struggles, but they're guaranteed. And there are there are certain struggles, though. I think that are more just Christian struggles as well. But but yeah, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, life has its own struggles, but. Christianity brings kind of a new level, uh, uh, maybe some new content, and maybe struggles with uh, different kinds of things. Yeah. Um, something we uh, I'd brought up when you mentioned this to me is uh, something I, I just remembered was that Israel, the name Israel, 
which is uh, J- Jacob. Uh, Jacob. 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 Uh, yeah, he wrestles with an angel, and the angel gives him a new name, and that new name is Israel. Wait, and his Lord, sons right? adopt that name, and that becomes the name of the nation of his sons. Right. And uh, and it's actually the angel of the Lord, isn't it? That it's he, the angel of the right. Lord. It's God himself. God himself. Uh, wrestling with Jacob. Right. And so the name Israel itself um, means one who contends with God or he who wrestles with God. And I think that's so incredible that his very name says, I struggle. I struggle. With God. Yeah. With God. And then that name is the name that God gives to all of his people. Yeah. Israel. There's gotta Israel. be there's gotta be a link there. There's gotta oh, yeah. be a connection there. Well but I I mean look at it. I mean the the entire story of the Hebrews, of the Jews, is this back and forth, back and forth with God. You know, they they they're for him and he's for them and then they fall away and they worship other gods and and so he hands them over to their own desires, and then he comes and he rescues them when they finally call back out to him. And it's just this constant emotional, spiritual battle and struggle, and it, and it's all with God. It's it's deciding whether or not you're for him or against him, and de- defeating your own human nature. And that's kind of what we see with them. So one of the questions that uh, kind of pops up in my mind almost right away is if this is such a central issue of uh, Christianity, why did we miss it in the first podcast? Why didn't we uh, lead with saying, hey, it's tough to be a Christian? I think we try and ignore it. I don't think we like it. Why I know do you we think don't that's like it. so? It's ugly. Yeah. It's ugly and... I, in a lot of ways, I think we like to pretend like everything's okay in our lives, um, that we don't struggle, that we don't have things that we battle every day as Christians. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us not to do. It says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. It doesn't say confess your sins to one another that you'll be forgiven of your sins. It says that you'll be healed. Right. <laughs> it's, Go to each other with what you're struggling with and walk through it together. Like the iron sharpens iron, you know, like be put in these situations where you're building each other up and and spilling your guts to each other. So the culture that we live in doesn't like to recognize that we struggle. Right. Uh, The culture that we live in, uh, everything uh, has to be in a certain way, uh, you know, the, the... Little Pink Houses with the Picket Fence. Is that a John Mellencamp song? It's a not? John Mellencamp song, <laughs> but it's it's the old American dream. Uh, you know, every we, we have to paint the picture that we're doing well. And in that vein, Zach, I lied to you already during this podcast. Okay. You asked me how I was doing. <laughs> Do you remember what I said? Did you say good? Yeah, I said I'm doing fine. Yeah. I'm not doing fine. Right. I'm I'm uh, just got an email and uh bordering on depression because of the content of the email and uh I'm struggling. It's it's not easy. But but your your knee jerk response was to say everything's fine. Oh yeah. Because I mean 
we're hardwired for it. <laughs> we're hardwired for it. Uh, it's it's a, a knee-jerk reaction. How are you? I'm good. Uh, right. No matter – I mean, your, your arm may be in a different room. <laughs> yeah. Well, But, oh, I'm fine. The, I'll tell you, like, I don't know that this is the one thing that should have stood out to me as much as it did talking with Tom Overton a few weeks back uh, when we were talking about human trafficking and everything. But he made the statement about, you know, when you're at church, you know, I walk in on Sunday and I say, how you doing? And then the next person says, oh, you know, I'm good. I'm great. And then we're good. That's it. That's the conversation we pass on. He says, how do I How do I know how I can be praying for you? How can I be talking to you if we just lie to each other like that? If we just say everything's great because it's not great, you know? And I thought that was so cool that he brought that up on a topic that really didn't even necessarily call for it, but it did. You know? That is. That is. So – you know, part of that, I think, maybe one of the reasons we say I'm doing good is because not not only because it's a conditioned response, but how do you follow up when somebody says, I'm feeling down? I think we get weird. Yeah. We don't know what to say. You know, it's like I, I'm by the time I've said, how's your day going? I already know you're going to say fine. Yeah. (laughs) I'm moving on in my mind to the next topic. Right, right. Which is probably the weather or (laughs) some other meaningless thing. So when somebody just decides to lay it on you and say, well, you know, I'm not good. I think we tense up. We get weird. We don't know know what to do sometimes. Where do you go? And we're supposed to be ready for that biblically. We're supposed to be ready to to bear somebody else's load. You know, we're supposed to be transparent with each other. Uh, we're supposed to be vulnerable. We're we're supposed to confess uh, not only our sins, but even our attitudes and our our uh, feelings to each other. Right. So if we did that, what kind of a difference could that make? What sort of genuineness could we have? With friends, right? That I think part of the reason we're so close to say family members is you grow up with them, you see everything, you know who they are, and so it's a lot easier to kind of throw those hard topics out there on say a family member because they know you inside and out, you know. (laughs) But then. We're supposed to be that close with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And we're just not. I mean, I'm not saying everybody that nobody is. I'm I'm just saying on the broader spectrum, we're just not. It's hard to be. It's hard to be. It is hard to be. It's a struggle to be that open with other people. It's a struggle. That's right. Um, But but that's what we need to be moving towards. Um, You were mentioning different people in Scripture that struggled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to get into that a little bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, you mentioned Israel. Um, I mean, his whole name was uh, he struggles with God. Um, That came after a wrestling match, a night of wrestling with God himself. But I don't think that was the only thing that Israel struggled with. If you look at him through his life, uh, raising his kids, his family was not... Uh, how to say this? It, it it was not 
father knows best. It wasn't uh, Ozzie and Harriet. It, it it wasn't. They were dysfunctional. Right. They had. They were uh, the Osbournes. They were the Osbournes. <laughs> they they lied to each other. They cheated each other. His sons got together and sold one of their brothers to a band of marauders that was driving through Israel, knowing that they'd never see him again, and they were okay with that. Right. That is the height of dysfunction. Right. And there's Israel in the middle of that. He struggled. He struggled knowing how to deal with his sons. What do you do when (laughs) you have two wives and each one has a concubine and the one that you really love is the one that isn't giving you any children? And her sister, who your father-in-law gave to you first, Leah, has six sons. And then when your wife that you love ends up giving birth, you make that son the firstborn. You give him the coat of many colors. Man, that's a struggle. That 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 was tough. That was probably not the wisest decision. And it started uh, a chain of events that actually ended up working out okay. God used even the dysfunction of Israel's family for the good of his kingdom. That's super interesting. Um, I think something else that's so interesting about that story to me, um, I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but God doesn't fix Jacob's hip, does he? No, no. In fact, uh, somewhere in Scripture, I think it says that uh, the Jews to this day, and I don't know to what day it was, they wouldn't eat the muscle from the, the hip yeah, of the... any any animal, right? Because of of Jacob being uh, lame for the rest of his life, well, and that's what I, that's kind of what I'm getting at here is, you know, we we the 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 phrase I hear so often, you know, this too shall pass. You know, we we love that one. Yeah. We love that one because we like thinking that oh, after I get over this hump, it's going to be smooth sailing. But it's not. And always, the, is no, it? no, and the, that's the thing about that story is he he carried that with him forever. That's he remembered right. that he he suffered that night. He struggled that night, and he carried it forever. He remembered that struggle forever. So so I think there are lasting effects to struggle as well. You know that we don't always get to just walk away unchanged. Paul is another one that talks about his struggles. Now, now he mentions a very specific struggle that he calls a thorn in my flesh. And we really don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. Even though everybody tries to claim they know what the thorn in the flesh is. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the two going uh, concepts is that this was a physical problem that Paul had with his eyes. And there's some indication that that Paul certainly had trouble with his eyes. Uh, that That is obvious, but whether that's the thorn in the flesh, we're not really sure. Um, thorn in the flesh in the Old Testament seems to refer to uh, Satan's messengers. So 
some people think that the thorn in the flesh were Paul's enemies that just, they, they literally would follow him around and try to thwart what he was doing. They'd try to take those new churches that he had founded and fill them with uh, false theology. And sometimes they, he, they had success, like with the Galatian church, and sometimes they didn't, like with the Thessalonian church and the Brian church. Um, we really don't know what it was. What we do know is how deeply this disturbed Paul, deeply enough that he says three times I went to the Lord with prayer and fasting. And that seems to indicate that it wasn't that he prayed about three times. <laughs> but three times he separated a season where he begged God to remove this thorn in the flesh and finally got the answer, no, uh, it's going to stay. And the reason it's staying, Paul, is because my strength is seen in your weakness, or for our purposes, God's strength is seen in struggles. And that his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient, even in the midst of struggles. Now, with that said, I'm sorry, I don't want to get too off track, but do you think that that disqualifies it as sin, the fact that God's not willing to take it from him? Or, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if it was a sin or not. Uh, maybe it was something that <laughs> Paul was certainly not perfect. He uh, he was a little bit hot tempered, and mm-hmm. uh, we see that coming out a couple of times. Sometimes the Lord used that, but sometimes it got in the way. So uh, I don't know. It it might have been his own temperament, maybe. Paul was begging the Lord to, to kind of loosen me up a little bit, make me a little bit more tender. I think it's almost more important, though, that it's not straightforward, that we don't know what it is, because then it applies to much more. Oh, man, it can it can apply to anything in our life, in my life, in your life. Right. That's interesting. The other biblical person that I was looking at is Jesus himself. Now, not so much in the sense that Jesus struggled, but uh, you you get this movement in the Gospels. It's probably most visible in the Gospel of Mark, where in the first eight chapters, everything that Jesus does leads to the question that he asks the disciples on the way to Caesarea Philippi. Who do you think I am? And Peter speaks up, and he speaks up really for the other 12, and he says, you're the Messiah. And Jesus, in Mark, but really in Matthew, Jesus goes over the moon. Oh, Peter, you've got it. You've been listening to God. You've, you're on this rock. I'll build my church. Hell itself won't be able to stand up against you. And right after that, Jesus begins to tell the disciples, what it means now to follow him. And the very first thing that he says is deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, if that is not an invitation to a life of struggle, I don't know what is. Yeah, um, 
I don't think we like that part either. <laughs> no. You don't hear a whole lot of sermons on, on that part. Uh, the, the denying yourself, you know, that's not, that's not fun. It's not – first of all, it's kind of confusing. What in the world does it mean to deny yourself? We don't even use the word deny in that sense. Anytime I hear the word deny today, it's in a sports metaphor. Right. They denied, denied. Him, denied the end zone. They denied him the basket. And what denying is, is is just learning to say no. And what Jesus talks about in Mark right after that is saying no to your desire for things, saying no to your desire for success, saying no to your actual desire to live. Jesus says you got to learn to deny yourself. Yeah. And then the second thing is is worse yet, take up your cross. That a day we we you know we talk about that and we talk about it glibly and and uh, we'll we'll put a cross around our neck or we'll put a cross on a stage, but it's lost its meaning to us. And we say, "Oh, it's like taking up your electric chair." Well, the problem with that is I've never seen with my own eyes an electric chair. In Jesus' day, just a few years before Jesus lived, there was a big rebellion. And Herod Archelaus decided to punish the leaders of that rebellion by crucifying them. So he set up two thousand crosses on the road leading into Jerusalem. So anybody that would go to Jerusalem would walk by 2,000 corpses hanging from crosses. That's the context that Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. They knew exactly what it was. They saw it. It was common enough that on this Passover, on the, the, the third year of Jesus' ministry, on that Passover, they were just going to have a couple more crucifixions, two of them, and then the crowd shouted, crucify him, and so Pilate said, okay, we'll make it three. It was just commonplace. They knew what a cross was. They knew what it meant to take up your cross. And follow Jesus. That's a struggle. And it's kind of like you were just saying, like, we've taken that term and we've watered it down. We've applied it to, I don't know, <laughs> just just little things in our day. And I mean, I've heard people say, oh, well, that's my it's cross my to cross bear. cross to bear, yeah. You know, like, what is like this is little tomato thing. soup again? That's just my cross. To yeah, bear. I mean it's almost a joke, <laughs> it you know. Is. It and, is, and it's like no. I mean, Jesus said, "Be willing to take up your cross." I mean, he lost most of his followers when he said that. That's right. You lost, how many thousands? I don't know that it says a, a specific it, number. It, it's a, it's like just everybody but the twelve. Everybody leaves. but the twelve. Yep. I mean, and it's got to be, I mean, it's a ton of people following Jesus at that time. And so that, that just blows my mind that we then turn around and don't 
quite grasp the magnitude. Like what he said that day was offensive enough that everybody went home. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I, I, I don't know. Like we look at us today. Like when's the last time you saw a sermon preached where anybody left over it? Like they just walked out over it. Yeah. Like right then, you know, like <laughs> now Paul picks this idea back up in uh, the book of Romans, Romans 12, 1, when he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. There again, we say those words, but it doesn't really penetrate into us. The characteristic that I'm aware of in a sacrifice in the temple is that it died. Mm -hmm. So Paul says, make your bodies a living sacrifice. There is a continual active dying that takes place inside of us. Mm -hmm. That's the struggle that we live with as Christians. We are actively dying. We are putting to death in ourselves the things that we know we've got to get rid of. And be careful with this, Um, anybody listening. um, There is a tendency and has been historically to take those words and turn them into like a Gnostic belief that that the body is evil, that the body is bad and the soul is good. And, you know, we just have to, one day we'll just shed this skin and then we'll, then everything will be right because the body's so wicked. And it's like, no, that's not what it is saying. It's saying there's a, there's a nature in you that you have to overcome. That's right. That's right. The body in the New Testament is not evil. In fact, our, our, in, in the resurrection, we get the body back. Right. It's just Why would a, we get a, it back if it were evil? One, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I, something else, talking about Jesus' struggle, I think about him praying in the garden. He's praying, Father, take this cup from me. You know, please, I don't, I don't want this. Um, and God denies him that. God denies lifting Jesus' struggle. And Jesus accepts that. He says, but your will be done, not my will. And so I think that is a perfect example of when we are going through struggle to say, you know, this is awful. This sucks. Please take it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, but if you're not willing to, if this is really what I'm supposed to do, then I'll do it. I mean, yeah. that that's the example he laid out for us. And, I mean, we even see – what else does Jesus do in his time in the garden? He prays, and he prays for all the people he loves. He, you know, he prays for himself, but he's also taking time to say, look, I just want everybody else to know you like I know you, to be one with you like I'm one with you. We, we should do that too. I mean, we should be praying constantly and asking the people we love to be praying for us, just as Jesus asked the disciples pray for him in that time. I look at that prayer of Jesus in Gethsemane, and and I, I forget which one of the gospel writers says that he sweat, sweat like great drops of blood. Yeah. I mean, he labored. It was, it was tough. It was hard. I've actually read, I, I don't know the, the actual scientific significance of this, but that that is possible. Um, that, that, you can be under such duress that you will sweat blood from your pores. I've, uh, yeah, I think I read the same thing. And uh, what Scripture says, it was, 
great drops as yeah, blood. So it, it doesn't specifically say that he sweat blood out of his pores. But even if he didn't, uh, he was sweating so much that it looked like he was bleeding right. to death. So, so you know, he's certainly dehydrated. But, but the point of that is that prayer was not an easy prayer for him. It was difficult. It was a struggle. Right. Right. Um. Well, Zach, what do you think we struggle with? What are just some of the common things? If one of the marks of Christianity is that we struggle, what do we struggle with? I think we struggle with <laughs> the one that always gets me that I always think back to is when Paul's talking about all or sorry, uh, sorry, Jesus. I think Paul actually reiterates it. But Jesus is stating all of those who will never see the kingdom of God. <laughs> and he names about everything you can do. Yep. And it's all the stuff that well, most people. He names do. everything that's fun. That right. You can do. <laughs> right. Right. He names everything that everyone is constantly doing. It's it, uh, sexual immorality, greed, thievery. And, you know, if you know anything about Jesus, he always takes it to a deeper level. You know, I, I mean, if looking at a woman lustfully is committing adultery in your heart, then I assume that, that hoping – like wishing you owned somebody else's car is theft in your heart. You know? <laughs> like, right, right. I, and, and so my point is he disqualifies everyone with that. And so, and, and it's not just big things like adultery and, and uh, immorality and, and murder. It's it's things like gossip. It's things like coarse language. It's things like slander, uh, and, slander. Yeah. and even at one point, uh, they they say uh, what it is. It, it, it's kind of silly jokes is almost the idea that you get. Oh, foul language. Yeah, like like, like certainly sp- foul language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we, we are all struggling with worldly things. I mean, the, look at, I don't know, drugs and alcohol are a thing among people in the body of Christ. Sure. Hands down. Sure. And I'm not saying, I, I'm not, don't think that. I drink. <laughs> I don't want anybody to think I, I am a, a prude on that sort of thing. But but also, there's a line to be drawn. You're not to go out and you're not to be a drunk. But I know there are people in the body of Christ that do struggle with alcoholism or do struggle with substance abuse or with pornography or with their marriage. Immorality. Yeah, yeah, immorality. I mean, there there are people in the body of Christ probably running around on their significant other. I don't I don't know everybody in the world's story, but that's got to be real somewhere. And just because that's happening that doesn't disqualify you as a Christian, but you are not called to that life and you need to get out of it and you need to repent. And I think that's one of the reasons that we struggle so hard. Before we came to Christ, who cared? Right. You know, whatever it, be the best you that you can be. And if right. the you is an alcoholic, you'll be the best alcoholic you can be. Right. Uh, before you didn't care, now you care. Now you want to do better, but you find yourself caught in that sin. And, and, and it's a struggle to get free of that. Well, it's kind of like um, Paul talks about the old man and the new man. You know, and it's like these two different natures. They're both you, 
but but one of them isn't you anymore. But it's still always calling out to you. It's still always there. It's your identity's in Christ now. So stop going back and being that old man. There's this Native American. I don't know if it's Native American, but it's this like kind of parable sort of story. And I uh, know where you're going. Yeah, I yeah, heard yeah. it as a rabbi. So. <laughs> Maybe it's a rabbi. Go ahead and tell the it. two wolves. The two wolves. There's there's two wolves in every man, and the one that lives is the one that you feed. You know that's the idea. Right. Like. One is good, one is evil. Which one are you going to feed today? Exactly, and that's beautiful. I mean, that's that's Christian. I mean, yeah, if you feed the evil, if 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 you want victory over pornography, then don't feed that. Right. Quit quit looking at the image. Right. <laughs> but then, but then, we we were talking about this as well. That leads into the next point. Whatever your struggle is, you're called to to give it up. You might be thinking, well, how do I give it up? Well, you're to confess it. You're to go to people with it. You're to be transparent with your Christian brothers and sisters. But <laughs> we have created a system that does not work that way. It, it, we say it works that way, but it doesn't really always work that way. A lot of times these people, people that are trying to do better, they get demonized. They'll get – it's so easy to point the finger in our culture, in today's modern society. It's fine to say that we struggle, and people can agree with that. But to show you my struggle? Uh-uh. Right. Because that's failure. That's a failure on my part. And I don't want you to think that I am failing. Right. So we hide it. But, you know, we, we can't do that. We as Christians cannot do that. We get we get so caught up on like the legalities of things. Like I, I know a lot of people will go will go back to uh, is it Second Corinthians or First Corinthians, where the man's sleeping with his father's wife. First and Corinthians. First Corinthians, and everybody knows about it, and they've tried to f- get him to stop, and he won't stop. So Paul says, "Kick him out. Have nothing to do with him. Don't have a meal with him. Don't speak to him. Hand him over to the devil, and then hopefully he will repent and come back." But that's at a point when that man has refused to change. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we skip straight from (laughs) sometimes somebody comes to you and says, I got a problem. I need help. And then we jump to, I got to cut you off. (laughs) Right. But we miss that middle part where it's like, well, are you really willing to, like, I'll, I'll work with you. Are you willing to be different? You know, like, and so I think because a lot of people do that, it's created a system in which people are afraid to even come to you in the first place because now it's like, oh, well, they'll just sell me out. Right. They'll just throw me under the bus. And, I mean, the one thing we are commanded to do in Christianity is understand you're all screwed up. You're all equally screwed up. Accept it right now. Be better. Repent. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Repent. So one of the things that we struggle with is sin. I don't think that's the only struggle that we face. I think just plain life brings struggles to us, and we as Christians are called to act and react in certain ways. Sometimes we struggle not necessarily with sin, but just with life in general, and we want to respond in an appropriate way. I mentioned that I saw an email uh, about an hour ago that uh, uh, disturbed me. I, I uh, It saddened me kind of has led me to uh, almost be in depression. I don't want to react to it that way. I, I, I want to be able to say, no, no, no. What is the good that I can find in this? How can I 
How can I move beyond this? Part of my struggle would be dealing not necessarily with sin, but with uh, kind of normal reactions. I want to react like a. I want to react like Jesus would, not necessarily like right. Randy would. Right. <laughs> That's a struggle for me. Well, well, something else that happened in that moment. You know, there were a couple of us in the room at that point in time, and and we could kind of talk through it. And in that moment, you share yourself. You share your deepest hurt or thoughts. And together, you can kind of bear each other's burdens. You know, this is sort of unrelated, but it's it's a, sort of a similar concept. I think it's the, the term forgiveness in Hebrew, and I don't remember the word for it. But it's the concept of bearing something, picking something up hmm. and carrying it for somebody else. And so when Jesus forgives you of your sins, he takes that from you and he carries it for you. Interesting. And so when we forgive somebody, we take it and we carry it for them. But I think it goes beyond forgiveness. I think we're just to bear each other's burdens in general. Well, and and Paul says exactly that in uh, writing to the Galatians chapter 6. He says, bear each other's burdens. The interesting thing is that a couple of verses later, he says everyone should bear their own burdens. So it's not that we give it away. We still have that burden to bear, but there's somebody helping us. There's somebody who is carrying that weight with us. Now, I'm not saying that we have to do that with everybody because somebody goes to our church. I show up and they say, how you doing? And I say, well, you know, this week I got mad at my wife. And and uh, then I, I went out and I tied one on. And I and that's, <laughs> that's not necessarily what we're saying. But there's got to be somebody. There's got to be somebody that you are close enough to that when you're struggling, you can go to him and say, hey, I need you to pray for me. This is tough right now right right and but and then that puts the emphasis on the importance of getting to know your brothers and sisters in christ getting to know people and then you will know you will know if a person has a heart for you that that you can come to them that you can trust them generally i mean there's some snakes out there let's oh yes and you naturally gravitate to certain kind of people right so and and that is all fine but Within the body of Christ, as large and as diverse as it is, you're going to find somebody. You're going to find some close friends. Yeah. Absolutely. So we struggle with sin. We struggle with life. Is there anything else out there that we might struggle with? I mean, I think think we can struggle with our minds. I think we can do that. I mean, I... I don't know if that's where you're going with this, but I know a lot of people suffer from, like, depression, like clinical depression. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I legitimately had the question yeah. for you. okay, that's fair. <laughs> I I think that's, yeah, yeah. I, Ooh, and there's another big one. Keep going. Keep sure, going on I, that. I, I just, certain certain things we do even in life can change the chemical compounds of our brains. If you take uh, ecstasy, the drug, for instance, you'll have the best high of your life if you listen to people that have ever taken it. And after that point, they're, they're chasing that high again, but they can never have it back because they've depleted all the dopamine in their brain. 
And now they no longer have that there. They've chemically altered their body to a point where they have put themselves in a state of depression in a way. The same wow. thing with, with pornography. If you look at the, the, the brain of somebody who's addicted to pornography, it looks almost identical to the brain of someone who's addicted to heroin. If you put it under a CAT scan, it's almost identical. You're changing the way your brain works. We can affect our own chemical workings in our brain, but also it can just happen because of things we've been exposed to in life. But we, we're kind of at war against ourselves in a lot of ways, um, just struggling against the way our own minds work, and that can seem impossible to conquer. Yeah. But Christ can save you from that. Christ can save you from your mind. And I, and I think everything we've set up until this point applies here too. I mean, if, if you're struggling with depression, put people around you that you can trust and that love you and that can help you through this. And be willing to go to them and say, hey, this is not a good day today. Right. But that's transparency. Right. We've we got to bring that back. It is, it is lacking in the world today. I think another struggle we can have is uh, physical struggles. There are illnesses or even conditions that uh, sometimes the Lord heals, sometimes medicine is able to resolve, and sometimes we live with it. Right. Sometimes that's yours to carry. And, I mean, I I don't want to go down like the... (laughs) like name it claim it route or anything but you know so much so many christians today believe well if i say that this isn't going to be in my life anymore if i have enough faith it'll go away and you're kind of right yes but sometimes that's just in the plan sometimes that's just in the cards and that's not going anywhere i mean if if that were the case jesus had more faith than anyone and when he said lord take this away from me god didn't take it away from him Jesus went to the cross. Sometimes it's just in the cards, and we have to deal with it. We have to we have to get through it, and we're still called to be godly people through whatever the struggle is. I think another area of struggle is sometimes this this kind of goes back to just struggling with life in general, but sometimes uh, life does not deal us a fair hand. No. Sometimes we lose a job or something happens and we lose resources or a fire and we lose possessions. And those are legitimate struggles. And sometimes the things that we lost, it's not just the physical thing that we've lost, but we've lost a sense of security, of of well-being, a, a, a sense of peace, and uh, those are legitimate struggles. Yeah. In those cases, I think that's where the church is called to step up and wrap themselves around the person and try to help uh, lessen the impact of what's taken place in their life. And, and you know... Uh... I say, I I don't know, I'm very cynical in a lot of ways when I look at the way we've kind of gotten diluted as the church. Like, I I feel like we're not doing things to the capacity that we could be. But then I think back on times in my life, 
and I'm reminded like, oh, you know, that we are the church is still at work, you know, it, but it's so easy to get blind about. I had a house fire a few years ago. Have I ever told you that? No. Uh, my family lost almost, I would say, 98% of everything we owned. Wow. Um, and, I mean, it, the, the the craziest part about it was just a month before that had happened, I played with my band a benefit for a family that had just had a house fire. <laughs> and I just remember being there, and I was like, I just can't even imagine what that must be like. And then a month later, it happened. It happened. And the church came around us, and poured into us in any way they could and it was awesome and i mean I, when you're at your lowest i i do truly believe that if you just go to your brothers and sisters in christ you're going to find those people who are for you you're going to find that there are people that are for you that you would have never expected are and and they're going to try and help so zach being a christian means that we struggle is the struggle ever over? No. Not in this life. <laughs> <laughs> Not on this side of dead. <laughs> you know, and we, we laugh when we say that because we don't want to cry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not cool. It's not fun. You know, struggle in some way, shape, or form is always going to be there. And as we draw closer to death, we face new struggles. Maybe those physical struggles become more apparent. Or the mental. I watched my uh, in-laws uh, go through this. And it was funny. They developed their own way of dealing with it. Uh, my mother-in-law, uh, she was sharp as a tack up to the day that she died. But her physical health, it really declined. My father-in-law's physical health was just fine, but he was no longer as lucid as he used to be. He would start out in the car and forget where he was going. So they said, together, we make one person. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that's the way they lived in the latter years of their life. And frankly, once one passed away, the other was not far behind because they were no longer a whole person. Right. But there again, it's the transparency. It's the opening up to someone else and through someone else, finding someone that can help you in that struggle. Right. Jesus is there to help, but so are our Christian brothers and sisters, and we need them so much. That's, uh, that's really awesome. That, the, about your, uh, your in-laws. That's, that's wild. I'm, that's that's beautiful because I mean that's that's a picture of the body, literally and the body of Christ. It really and both of them were Christians, so it's very easy to go there. Uh, yeah, and and what amazed me about it was their sense of humor over the whole whole thing. My mother in law couldn't walk that well. She had scoliosis. She was she was bowed over. She couldn't look up to see the sky, and her eyesight was almost gone. She kept her joy until the day she died. Man. Yeah. We struggle. We struggle. That's not going to stop, but that doesn't mean we're hopeless. No. We have hope. We have hope. We have hope in Christ, and I hope you're hearing that we have hope in our Christian brothers and sisters right. as well. That's right. 
and you know, kind of talking about two parts making a whole, two people making one whole person. We are a whole bunch of broken people that all bring something to the table to make one big, great, functioning person. And the head of that person is Christ. Amen. And luckily, through coming down, stepping down from from his godhood in a sort of sense and becoming man, taking on flesh, he has gone through everything anybody can go through he in took some way. struggles on himself as well. Right. And, I mean, look, look he, he was poor. He wasn't a wealthy man. Uh, I mean, we're, we're not really led to believe that he was like a great looking guy by any means or anything. You know, he, he, he had every kind of struggle anyone could face. And so he can level with you in your pain, in your struggle. He's been there somehow. And he's been with others who have been there. And so he knows your struggle. Do you think COVID is a struggle today? Absolutely. Oh, man. I'm tired of this thing. Let's kick it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So find somebody to go and talk to. Even if it's online. Even if it's online. (laughs) You can at least call them by telephone. Don't text them. Call them and just talk. Yeah. I'm with you. Well... Just uh, whatever you guys are going through right now, remember that you've got Christian brothers and sisters around you. Um, maybe if you're listening to this, uh, you're not plugged in anywhere. I don't know. I don't know who is actually listening to this. <laughs> but uh, if you're not plugged in somewhere, get plugged in at a local church. Um, find believers in Christ and and just get plugged into that body of believers and find some good friends that you can you can lay your burdens on. Uh, we hope that you stay blessed and uh, stay salty. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories, and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.